Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. Today we're talking about Copeland Commons, one of the key efforts to provide affordable housing in Astoria. The idea that grew into Copeland Commons had its beginning in the fall of 2018 at First Presbyterian Church in a discussion between then-pastor Bill Van Nordstrand and some church members, including the late Richard Garner. Pastor Bill takes us back to that discussion and the desire to make a tangible difference. What tangible thing can we do to impact um, housing or houselessness in our own community? We recognize that the city of Astoria is sponsoring conversations and service providers and government representatives and community activists are all engaging in conversation, but what could we do that was more tangible um, that, that might have the, the promise of action? The small committee of church members put together a very short list of their most desirable characteristics in a building that we might um, be the catalyst for creating housing in the community. And the four criteria were suitable for housing, close to employment, available for sale, and on a bus line. Mm. Not necessarily in that order, but those were the four most important things. Um, we reasoned that if we're looking for something affordable and then we were going to try to incent um, people who don't have resources enough to build their own home or, or buy the three-bedroom, two-bath um, ranch house that's available down the street, we would need to make it uh, something that was um, within walking distance of, of gainful employment, um, perhaps on a bus line so that you could take advantage of public transportation, and, um, and realizing that uh, the city and the county have agonized over the, the lack of available square footage mm -hmm. uh, to construct any bricks and mortar or, or stick buildings, uh, we focused on existing structures. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that is already built that is underutilized? So we went about identifying uh, structures that were in existence and perhaps could be reclaimed um, or refurbished uh, rather than embarking on something uh, that we would build from the ground up. And uh, we hoped that if um, an existing structure could be rehabbed, then it wouldn't take quite the, the total do dollar outlay mm -hmm. uh, to make it available for occupancy. We went down and the Malternative building, right. that pink structure on Marine Drive that um, is addressed, uh, I guess it's 1159 through 1169, Marine Drive. Um, Richard said, you know, uh, there hasn't been anything in there except for this retail space being utilized for decades right and I don't know if it's for sale uh, or or we could even you know uh, put our names on some kind of uh, waiting list 
But that would sure be interesting because it, it checks all the boxes. Yeah. It, it, was, it was historically a boarding house, um, and it was in the, uh, uh, the SRO or a, a single resident occupancy model where the bathrooms were down the hall, right. and each unit had a sink, um, and reportedly, dock workers, lumber uh, mill workers, and cannery workers could finish their shift and walk across the street and pay a nickel to stay the night. Wow. And so uh, Richard said, well, it's certainly suitable for housing. Uh, you know, we need to replumb probably and reheat, and, but it certainly has a history of housing. And so this fits the reclamation model to a T. Right. It's on a bus line. There are local employers, those same ones who are in the city of Astoria discussion saying, we can't find a place for our, our kitchen staff. We can't find a place for our wait staff. We hire them and, and give them an offer and they come to town and say, well, I, I would love to work for you. I love Astoria, the whole concept, but I can't consider commuting from Longview in order to take a part-time job to wash dishes in your restaurant. Absolutely. So, um, so we said, gosh, if we were to make um, units out of that old structure and, make, and subsidize, find out a way to uh, subsidize the rents with government support, maybe HUD dollars, um, this could be uh, worker housing for entry-level um, restaurant staff, uh, gallery staff, um, you name it, staff. Mm -hmm. um, so what if there were something in the downtown corridor, uh, it, it um, maybe beautifies a historical treasure, it reclaims uh, this opportunity for downtown workers to live uh, close to their jobs, uh, it's still historically aesthetically pleasing, but inside it's actually being occupied 24-7 by uh, renters um, at 30% of uh, median family income in Clatsop County, at 60% of median family income in Clatsop County, and some units at 80% of median family income in Clatsop County. We could reclaim a historical treasure, work within the confines of the, of the 90 feet deep by 50 feet wide uh, footprint of the building that exists, mm -hmm. plus the adjacent parking lot that is 90 feet deep by 50 feet wide, we could, we could fill both of those spaces with a, with a structure that uh, might accommodate as many as 66 affordable units, each one with a bathroom, each one with a kitchenette. And then, um, so as not to compromise the square footage available for occupancy in the old building, when we're building the new building, we can put an elevator in, which is a more current luxury and even people in subsidized housing would love to have an elevator sure. rather than carry your groceries four floors up. And some um, people absolutely need it. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, and so we anticipated that this building would be sprinklered, 
Uh, it needed to be replumbed, um, rewired. Um, we're in the process now of, of uh, completing engineering studies that will um, recommend, um, actually mandate, how much retrofit needs to take place, how much earthquake uh, protection needs to take place uh, with today's guidelines for safety in order to make this building habitable. And, and we're all about that. We're all about bringing it up to code while maintaining the outside fascia uh, with a historical, um, the same historical look, the same double hung windows, uh, the same uh, glass on at, at the uh, street level. So what about the building that would be built next door, the, the companion building? What would that look like? Evidently, the national parks are the ones who govern uh, who can be and who, um, in their estimation, is eligible for a historical landmark uh, status. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a two-phase process, and uh, John Goodenberger, um, a member of our committee, is also the local expert sure. on architecture and history that the national parks uh, utilize uh, to uh, provide them with all the necessary decision-making information. And phase one has already been completed, and they have deemed that our existing building significantly contributes to the downtown Astoria Historical District. And so the reason I say that is because, interestingly, in um, our research is um, that the National Parks is interested in um, historical buildings primarily and sometimes adding to those historical buildings. But you have to be very careful to add something to the historical building rather than add a behemoth next door right. and make the historical building look like an outbuilding afterthought. So uh, the second building is going to have much the same size and footprint, but it's going to be a little bit demure. Mm -hmm. Whereas the alternative building as it exists today has a nice historical crown on it, mm -hmm. the second building will be flat. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the, um, the existing building um, has rows and rows of housing uh, windows, uh, double-hung windows. Um, uh, the, the window pattern on the adjacent building will be somewhat uh, demure. Uh, there will still be plenty of windows, but they won't be as grand and glorious. Mm -hmm. um, there will be a lot of square footage available in the new building, but, but from the outside uh, and to the casual observer, it will be an addition to a historical treasure rather than the, the dog that, that wags this tail. It's not going to be screaming for attention. It's so. not going to be screaming for attention like the historical building with a crown and the, and the signature windows will be screaming for attention. Well, when you went into the, it was the State Hotel, I guess, at one point, that building. When you first went inside, uh, what was your impression? I mean, I suspect it needs work. It does need work. And in fact, um, this is one of those um, uh, incredible stories that 
During the 2007 storm, the roof of that building blew completely off. <laughs> and it was some time, as you can imagine, uh, until that roof could be repaired uh, sufficiently so that there would be no further water damage. And so there is some water concern inside, um, but um, uh, as, as you well know, um, we have teamed up with Innovative Housing Inc., the nonprofit developer from Portland, and Julie Garver, who uh, successfully reclaimed the Merwin Hotel. And uh, she, has, um, she has reviewed and, and looked at the building with us and said, this is a lot better than what we had to work with, you know, the, the palette that we had to paint with at the Merwin. Mm -hmm. For one, it doesn't have a great big hole in one of the floors. Mm -hmm. For a second thing, we've had an, a structural engineer go through with a fine tooth comb and test the integrity of each one of those solid um, wood beams. And uh, whereas in the Merwin, they needed to jack up a floor and put new beams in, all the beams in this structure are solid. Uh, they drilled them in the middle and there's no root rod, um, but there is some, some uh, prosthetic ends that need to be um, rebuilt uh, on the weather side as well as on the, uh, the uh, east side. But because of their success with the Merwin, you, you obviously are working with a group that knows what it's doing and can do it successfully. So that's a huge, huge step forward. And, and they know what they're up against. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the most important thing, I think. Uh, not only do they have a, a real uh, history and, and a love for old buildings, but they know where the puddles are and where the hurdles are. And, mm -hmm. and in this specific case, Julia's worked hand in hand with Astoria City Council and staff. And so she knows the questions that they're going to ask. She knows what to be ready for. Uh, she knows uh, what are the safety standards that are expected in Astoria because we've done it here before. Mm -hmm. The Merwin's complete. The uh, Lincoln City project is under construction. My company now has bandwidth. Uh. We would love to have a second Astoria site because if we were managing both buildings, it's a lot more economical for us to spread the cost of on-site manager and, and um, facilities, maintenance, etc. if we had two buildings rather than one. Mm -hmm. And we're really happy uh, with Julie and IHI because of the, of the history with the city of Astoria that I spoke of. Um, and um, she, she's just great people. Well, tell me now, wh wh what is the status of things? Where do things stand and uh, what's needed at this point? Really where we are now is um, in anticipation of a, uh, a exhaustive application to the state agency that brokers federal HUD money for housing. Julie, uh, at her direction, the volunteer local board is um, 
is engaging with contractors to do what is called the groundwork. Mm -hmm. So we hired a structural engineer to test the integrity, to make sure that the bones were good. Mm -hmm. That was a necessary first step because that could be a deal breaker. Right. Um, we um, anticipated, or Julie did, that there needs to be an exhaustive EPA study to test and see not only if there's any environmental hazard, but even so thorough as to say, did you find any dugout canoes or arrowheads when you cored into the soil? Mm -hmm. uh, because if that's the case, we want to preserve this site. Right. And I was able to uh, explain to her that, you know, when there were indigenous people living on this river coast, that river coast was way up there on sure. exchange. Sure, that would have been underwater at that <laughs> That's point, right. or at least in the mudflats. That's yeah. right. So, so there's not likely um, uh, any sacred thing worth um, stopping this project over at the present time because this was built on fill after the fire. Mm -hmm. But they did core samples anyway to see if there's any dioxins left over after the fire. And so as we speak, Roger, uh, the final reports are being drawn up uh, to let anyone who is interested know there are no environmental threats uh, available on that property. So the groundwork is being done. Um, the, the next thing is, uh, as I mentioned, we need to have a, the engineer comes in and establishes what kind of retrofit uh, is required mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's probably the next groundwork that needs to be done. Um, the city of Astoria has been really responsive and come down and talk to us about you know that eensy beensy pipe that uh, that uh, used to be available because there was only one bathroom on every floor that goes right in front of the building um, and didn't require very much volume because there were very few flushes. Right. Well, you're going to have 66 flushes now, and so that pipe needs to be this big. Right. And so the, city, um, the city's been really on that, and, and we've been working hand-in-hand hand with them on not only um, wastewater, but, but um, stormwater as well. Um, and then um, uh, we're at that stage where the concept drawings need to be with the help of a uh, licensed and certified architect they need to be turned into blueprints and then once the blueprints are drawn julie can take those to three contractors and say tell me what this is going to cost right and then once we know what the budget is the you know we've been guessing right now julie has some benchmarks you know she's she's developed 30 or 40 of these kind of of structures and so she has some benchmarks and some some averages and some percentages well you know it usually costs this much for for uh if you're going to have 60 doors then you know it usually costs this much per door etc um, but we want to take all the guesswork out we want to get a, a couple contractor bids we want to know exactly what the number is so that we can go to the oregon housing and community services office that brokers the national HUD money for affordable housing and be able to tell them that this is how much we think it's going to cost, this is how it's going to be managed and priced, 
And um, this nonprofit um, of three church members and nine community members uh, will provide the catalyst to get this approved and then step away, sell the property to Innovative Housing Inc. And they will manage it and, um, and you know, we'll just pat each other on the back. What do you think the timeline is to this point? Do you have a, a, a guesstimate on how much, how, how much time this will take? You know, in, in 2019, Roger, I would have told you by 2021. Right. <laughs> but uh, here we are. But how the, much you've learned in all that time. That's right. That's <laughs> right. If, if only I had a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here it is, 2023. Um, it's taken us this long to, to get um, CARE Oregon to give us a pledge letter for $500,000 mm-hmm. um, that will be payable upon approval by the state office. Um, you know, once they deem that our project is worthy of federal HUD money, then CARE Oregon or the Columbia Pacific Coordinated Care Organization um, will give us 500000 to help us with the architecture's drawings, the, uh, all the stuff. But... Um, since it is getting so close and the groundwork is being done and the, uh, the concept drawings are going to the architect, um, we're hoping that uh, Julie will be able to um, complete an application for Salem in the spring 2024 round of applications. It's a competitive process and so they rank each proposal based on the impact in the community, uh, how much they're asking, what the community support has been, what the partnerships are. Uh, and then if we're approved in 2024, uh, then I imagine that we can begin construction um, as early as 2025. Great. And I would guess that, uh, that Julie's success with the other projects has got to help convince people that this project deserves their support as well. Absolutely. In fact, uh, the Merwin wasn't approved on its first application, uh, but Julie persisted and, and uh, cleaned up any and all questions that the state agency had, and it was approved on its second application. Unfortunately, it took 365 days to get another chance. But then, after she had that experience with the agency, Lincoln City went through on its first application. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, uh, Julie's experience is going to be invaluable uh, and the IHI team. Um, the bugaboo right now, Roger, and I have to be honest with you, uh, and this is why I always go around with my hand out, mm-hmm. um, in her best estimate, Julie has said, if last year's um, application award formula is followed because of escalating interest rates and the rising costs of materials, because of that fact, Innovative Housing does not want to overextend itself by putting a lot of its nonprofit dollars into this pre-development time. because they just can't afford it. And uh, if they were with a for-profit board, uh, they would ask the for-profit board to just 
pony up the dough so we can get this architecture's rendering so we can get the budget finalized. But they're not. They're dealing with a nonprofit board. Mm -hmm. So we signed a memorandum of understanding with Julie that says the local nonprofit board will raise the first million and a half dollars. Mm -hmm. And at that point, and, and we have gradations, we have these, these benchmarks, these, these thresholds. Uh, once we reach 500,000, IHI will put in this much. Once we reach 750,000, IHI will put in this much. Once we raise a million, you know, they'll commit this much. Um, so today, uh, we're at about 650,000 of that million and a half, uh, with a couple real promising things on the horizon. Um, but, um, you know, everybody says, oh, there's so much money out there for housing. <laughs> I wish they'd call me because, yeah. uh, you know, several of the family foundations that were uh, just adamant about housing um, in the last couple of years, they've moved away from uh, capital and they moved into, you know, uh, capacity building or, or some of these other. Um, so what what do you need right now what 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 do you wish would happen or hope would happen and is there a role in this for just the average citizen who would like to see this come about so uh this is the ask um we are um we are now receiving at our post office box about three hundred dollars a month in pledges from astorians mm -hmm. Uh, in fact, last month, we got a check for $1,000 from a couple. Mm -hmm. um, what we really need is um, community support that will go a long ways toward telling uh, grant funders that, do you have a network of support? Does the community where you serve really want this project? Well, the best way to um, document the enthusiasm thus far that I've identified is the number of donors. Okay. So, um, yes, please consider either a one-time pledge or some people are giving monthly to the project. Uh, we have a, a, um, a savings account. Um, our nonprofit has a savings account at the Lewis and Clark Bank. Uh, so you could always walk in there and say, um, make your check out to Copeland Commons and it, they know exactly what account that is. Mm -hmm. Um, or uh, you could send us a letter uh, or an envelope to P.O. Box 1352, Astoria 97103. And I check that mailbox every week, and uh, I would be happy to, uh, to um, receive that kind of generosity and show of communal support. Um, and then, of course, you know, once we get closer, I mean, Julie has plans for calling in people from Tongue Point to, to do some of the small jobs and, mm -hmm. and uh, bring uh, people from the college in the architecture or, or restoration program, uh, come down the hill with John Goodenberger and do some plastering. And, and we have yet to identify uh, the hands-on things. You know, maybe you could come down and push a broom for a while. Maybe you could be on one end of a paintbrush. Um, but uh, uh, those are all tangible things that are in the future. Today, what we need most is money.
we're, we're all about lifting people up, maybe creating opportunities that, that are not yet available, and, and then uh, restoring respect to those people who are having a hard time finding a safe, warm, dry place to call their own. We've been talking with Pastor Bill Van Nordstrom about Copeland Commons, a project to provide affordable housing in Astoria. This has been The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. Thanks for listening.